my ass if I don't. <laughs> Mandatory. Welcome to it, welcome to it. It is, what time is it? It is 9.30, 9.30 on a Thursday night. So if you guys haven't been able to tell, we like, we're starting to like this Thursday night slot. We'll see what the new year has for us, but welcome to it. I am Terrell Chatterbox Emerson, Emerson, bad. I just messed up on my name? Mm-hmm. Wow. I am Terrell Chatterbox Emerson. That's the type of day that I've been having. But to my left, this isn't your first time on a radio show, is it? It probably no, I wouldn't. Say not the radio time. show. I don't think it's the. I don't think it's the I first think time. It's on my radio first show. time live, though. Is it? It's probably my first time live. Well, so it may be the first time on the radio. Show. Yeah. Yeah. Then we gonna we gonna make sure we do this one right. We gonna make sure we do this one right. To my left, former NFL defensive end, former UNLV football captain, and overall just a good guy. To my left, Mike Hughes Jr. What's the deal, my guy? Chilling, man. Chilling. Living a dream, right? Yes, I am on winter break. Oh man, when you said that, I was like, oh, we we definitely got to get some work in. So that's kind of how today came about. My mom, I don't know if you know, kind of had a radio show rocks, but my mom usually sends us a tip in, and my mom's tip in is usually usually has nothing to do with sports. And my dad's tip in usually comes at the end of the show, and it's usually something that he found interesting throughout the yeah, course yeah, of the yeah, week. Yeah, so yeah. my mom's tip in for today, I thought it was interesting because she always finds a way to hit on something that's going on in my life whether i've told her or not whether she knows but i mean whether she knows or not so the tip in for today says a successful man is one who can lay a firm foundation with the bricks others have thrown at him i'll read that one more time my mom's tip in for today is a successful man is one who can lay a firm foundation with the bricks others have thrown at him that's true that's real true I, I like how one. she said. I like how she said um, the bricks are thrown at him. Cause at the end of the day, ain't nobody doing nothing by themselves, and that's true. <laughs> Need that's some true. type of help, some type of support. Trust yeah. me, trust me. You know what's interesting? This, that reminds me of a KD tweet. KD uh, tweeted recently. I thought I needed the love. No, I thought I wanted the love, but I needed the hate more, or something like that. Hmm. And I was like, huh? That's one way to look at it. Speaking of one way to look at things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know about that one. Uh, trust me, bro. <laughs> trust me. I saw it and said that's one way to look at it. Um, you know what's what's interesting though? I I typically we're we're in a we're in a field now, and this is the fun part because now you're in you're in this field with this, and I try to drag you as far as I can into this field. And you have a lot of opportunity to be wrong. 
just plain and simple. We have a lot of opportunity to be wrong in this profession. The times that you're right, you got to hold your head high. And I'm going to be honest, man, I don't think I've gotten a Raider game wrong in the last four weeks. I don't think so. And the sad part is, if this holds true and I go on a seven-game win streak, the Raiders aren't going to make the postseason. You still put some money down. I should. I should. Somebody, hey, you know what? This is this is the this is the time where I say it on the radio show and my dad goes and places the bet. This is the part where where it happens. But let's start with what happened on Monday hold only on, hold because on, hold on. you 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 thought that was going to beat the the Cowboys? I did. I did. Damn. The reason why in Dallas? I did. You want to know why? And you're going to probably think I'm nuts for this. Why that? Thanksgiving day. <laughs> That is true. You know what's interesting? Derek Carr has a knack for week one, Monday Night Football, against the, the Baltimore Ravens. Should that have happened? Wait, who against who? Uh, this this year, week one, Monday Night Football, the Raiders at Allegiant Stadium against the Baltimore Ravens. Should oh, that win have know. happened? Uh, I say so. Just off. That Ravens team is just it's weird. Sometimes they make it harder than it got to be. But week one, we didn't know that, right? True, true. So week one, we wasn't sure. Let's go back to week two of last season. Monday Night Football, Allegiant Stadium, Drew Brees in the New Orleans Saints. That wasn't supposed to happen, right? Derek Carr finds a way to win the, to win the games that he, he technically shouldn't. The frustrating part is he loses the games that he probably should. Yeah, definitely. Dude, nice. I, I give it to him. I, I don't like how everybody be bashing Carr. And we we could actually start here really quick because once we get into this game, we're probably going to talk about a lot of legs before we talk about hand, uh, arms. But let, let's let's talk about Derek Carr for a split second. Nineteen touchdowns this season, over four thousand yards for the fourth consecutive season. <laughs> Remember that thing I said about UNLV football fans? What about it? when I said why are you guys so entitled? Oh yeah, anyway, yeah. I've learned, and we've said on this show recently. We've we've seen we actually said on the show recently. It's not just UNLV football fans. It's Las Vegas football fans. Yeah. And here's the part that I need you to tell them. That's so true. Especially since, and this is not a dig at anybody, but especially since you've been at that level and you've had the opportunity to see quarterbacks on your side and on the other side of you. I have let people know for a really long time. Derek Carr, unless you're getting a Dak Prescott, unless you're getting an Aaron Rodgers, a Patrick Mahomes, a Tom Brady. Best you're going to get. Derek Carr is probably the rest <laughs> of those other guys. It's probably the best of the, the rest of those other get. guys. What y'all want to get? Y'all want to get Cam over here and see what he's doing? It's going to be the same thing he's doing in Carolina right now. Get anybody else over here. Same thing. So what I, let's let's have this, this fun moment. To be and, honest, and another thing I'm going to throw out there. Go ahead. It's, I feel like it's super unfair to judge him based off what that run game ain't been doing this season. Talk about it, because it's, it's and then you lose, you lose rugs, of course, from the from the mess he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just to me, he ain't got a t- he got a tough job. Darren Waller's been in and out of the lineup. He's been banged yeah, up. He's been banged up the past three weeks. Tough. Exactly. So it's like, I mean, nobody. I mean, I can name some receivers that they got. I don't think anybody else can name a receiver other than Hunter Renfro, of course. A lot of people, can. but nobody can name any other receiver. And I will say I was wrong. Um, at least I've been wrong so far. I said that Brian Edwards was going to fill in the Henry Ruggs role, and he was going to going to take that step as the as the 
the vertical Shh. threat. I don't think man, he been there. he been there for how long? Three years now, two three years. You got me. Oh, he, he's, he's he's got a couple of years under his belt, but <laughs> I think when you look at Derek Carr's numbers and you find out that he's what he's been working with, I think it's it's pretty easy to say that some other guys would be struggling in a position like this. And mm-hmm. the fun part that I was actually going to say with this was no disrespect to a t- to a quarterback, just to any of the quarterbacks that I'm about to mention, but. You want Derek Carr or Teddy Bridgewater? Derek Carr. You want Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins? Carr. You want Derek Carr or Tua Tungavailoa? Carr. You <laughs> the want... only one I had to think about was Kirk. That was it. <laughs> Everybody I'm else, trying to just Carr. rifle through him right now. You want Derek Carr or you want Daniel Jones? Carr. You want Derek Carr or you want any of the three quarterbacks, no disrespect to Taylor Heineke, in the Washington football team's quarterback no, room? No, I'll take Carr. Definitely. I understand that the Colts are winning right now. You think the Colts would rather have Derek Carr than Carson Wentz? Yes, definitely. All right, they, so who I, they, I need who they winning because of though. <laughs> exactly. Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor. And that defense. <laughs> and that, that too, defense. That but and some dogs. Let's talk about this Raider game for a second. Did you get a chance to check it out? I didn't. You didn't. didn't. So this is gonna be this is gonna be fun. Because I'm sure you know the the game was moved from Saturday and the game took place on uh Monday this time around. Yeah. While that was a story in itself, and I understand the NFL's if <laughs> picking the, and choosing, me, dog. Yeah, I'm, they I don't are know, picking man. and choosing. What do you think happened? Why do you think this game is rescheduled? Isn't somebody um, up there in NFLPA on the Browns? That At least that's that's what I heard. Question. I think. I think that somebody up there in the NFL PA plays for the Browns. So when you got something like that, you you know, you can you got a little bit more leverage. So that may be that may have been the case. That is very interesting. Yep. Because exactly. the NFL PA president is center JC Treader yep. of the Cleveland Browns. Did you just drop a bombshell right now? Yeah. I We've just, been trying to figure like, out for I four be, days why this is getting I be knowing sometimes about who the president is from time to time. So, and I know that I, I think he got it maybe last year or this year. Hmm. So now that Mike just came in here and dropped some absolute reporter knowledge on us right now, that explains a lot because mm-hmm. the the on Saturday the original game when it was scheduled, the Cleveland Browns would have had twenty one players out. Yeah, they was complaining a lot, too. Like, they was on social media making a case and whatnot. I think Baker tweeted like three, four times about it. Yeah, and he was tweeting during the game. Uh, <laughs> Baker definitely <laughs> let let his feelings be heard and known um, a couple of different ways. But the the weird part was when the game rolled around on Monday, in addition to those 21 players, I should say head coach uh, Kevin Stefanski was out as well. Fast forward to Monday, the number's at 18. Eight of those are starters, and their head coach is still out. So I'm going to ask you again, Mike. Why did we pause this game two days? You said 18 players is out? Yes. They saved three players. Because the president, president of the uh, NFLPA. Well, you can let me know how. That's exactly why. You can let me know how it worked out because the Raiders came away with a 16-14 win off the foot. 
of kicker Daniel Carson Carlson, and this is actually where I want to want to start this conversation. This is probably where majority of the conversation is going to take place. The interesting part was we just mentioned Derek Carr, mm-hmm. so let's give him a little shine before we get into the, the the hero of the last two wins for the Raiders. Interestingly enough, when I was doing this Raider game, my lead was the Raiders have won two games in its last seven outings. Yeah, Both wins they needed the leg of Daniel Carlson. Yeah. They've been falling apart. And, I mean, that's – football is a weird game where it's like if everything ain't snap, snap, going correctly, you know, morally, off the field and whatnot, you're not going to win. So, simply with the whole rug situation, the Gruden situation. The, Damon uh, Arnett. The Arnett situation. Nothing good is was coming out of that at all. It's, you know what's like interesting about those three as well? It's all going to fall. What? Well, it's already a domino effect, but that actually was a domino effect. Definitely. John Gruden was in week five. Henry Ruggs was in week six. And Damon Arnett was, I believe, in week seven. It's a shame. But that's, but it go like I said, it go surprisingly, it goes hand in hand. Because once one thing happened, you got literally 50 other dudes that is going to affect some way, somehow, that's a distraction. Hmm. Throws them off. Boom, rugs. Distraction. Throws them off. I'm, I'm pretty sure it, that was a tough, tougher week than the Gruden situation. Way tougher. I completely agree. So it's no wonder why they're struggling right now. So with that said, does Derek Carr deserve even more credit for what he's doing? Yeah, definitely. He's fighting through for sure. And I guess that's it's a tough position to be in. <laughs> And he continues to find himself in it, which is another thing that's interesting. And it's the Raiders. <laughs> you, you get you gonna have you gonna have a limelight, and every time something go wrong, it's gonna it's gonna seem like the fans gonna seem like we curse this this that, and it's gonna be you know made bigger than what it really is. And what's the record? They are seven and seven right now. Ain't nobody else that's around that five hundred with this tri- much scrutiny. That with, with this much at all. I I. I See, this may be the reason why, though, when we get into these to these uh, these specifics of this game and even the statistics of this game, Derek Carr started his first drive 8 for 8, 77 yards and a touchdown. That touchdown was a 5-yard touchdown to Brian Edwards, the person that we were actually mentioning earlier. The interesting part was Derek Carr started this game 9 for 9 before throwing his first incompletion, which actually was a drop pass by Foster Moreau. So, in a game where the Cleveland Browns are without not only Baker Mayfield, but backup quarterback Case Keenum, so you bring in Nick Mullins one day of practice. So it is, man. And I think that's what Las Vegas football fans don't understand that they're asking for. They don't. And that's why, like, I don't know if you caught this because I'm going to compare it to another situation. You remember Rob Jackson? They used to play here. I do. He in Baltimore right now. Baltimore got out there. Basically, Rogers and them had their way with him. Yep. When nobody understands, everybody bashing my man. This is he just got activated. Literally, he ain't just been got out there. there long. He was on the Browns earlier this season playing. Got moved to here, practice squad. Mm-hmm. Then to to Baltimore. You got to go out there and cover Devontae Adams in a defense you do not necessarily understand. 
a team that's already been depleted in the secondary as well. Anyway, yeah, so you're playing with second out stringers and third stringers as well. He'll heal everybody. Marquez. <laughs> Marquez, uh, Valdez Scanley, yeah, he on Devontae Adelaide and going against Rodgers. It's like that's it's, that's not fair, and and it it kind of it it made me mad because it's like nobody understands. They just all on Twitter getting on my man head, but you don't understand. You got he got put into a super unfamiliar situation and an unfair situation. Super unfair. <laughs> Shout out to Duna for still picking the Ravens in the Pick'em League. We appreciate yeah. you for that. So it's like. So people don't understand all these situations and how that can change up so much. Because this game is so schematic. Like if you're not on, if you're not in touch with the scheme and everything that's going on, it's not going to work out. And the interesting part was Derek Carr came out in a game where he needed to obviously have a showing being the starting quarterback, playing against a guy who literally is running a team on one day of practice. Derek Carr went out and eventually ended the game with 236 yards, 25 of 38. A touchdown and an interception. I give Mullins his credit, man. Like, cause, boy, can you imagine? No, not I can't just corner. Imagine. You got the keys to the whole offense. You got to go no. out there and play. But, but here's the interesting part too, because while Derek Carr is doing that in the first half, Nick well, Chubb tallies 14 yards on six touches in the first half. So Nick Mullins, not only are you running the Cleveland Browns in your first pick. game, he went 20 for 30. 147 yards and a touch. I don't even know how you do that, man. That's just being a professional, I guess. So you have Nick Mullins in that awkward situation. Should have ran Chubb more, to be honest. Well, as we just said in the first half, Derek Chubb or Derek Chubb, what is going on with me? <laughs> Nick Chubb had 14 yards on six carries in the first half. Obviously, he somewhat exploded in the second half. The interesting part was he did have a second touchdown taken off of the board due to offensive holding. Mm-hmm. Nick Mullins threw the touchdown on later on that drive, so I guess you could say it cancels out, but you just said it's so schematic, and, and football is a momentum game, if any. If any sport is a momentum game, and that was a moment, I will say. Watching that game, covering that game, that was a moment that, I don't. I don't know how the Raiders respond if yeah. if Nick Chubb actually gets that uh, run, that second touchdown run. But let's talk about Daniel Carlson for a split second, because that means outside of the Raiders seven, actually, let me make sure I look at that. Yeah, outside of their touchdown in the first quarter with three forty one to go. The rest of the Raiders' points came from kicker Daniel Carlson. That man reliable. Talk about it. You you, you looking at his, Third, his, his 31, numbers? 30, uh, 31, 34. Only missed three field goals the entire year. Yeah. And I think only one of those he had was from game. 50. He, in Dallas, he made five field goals. One for 56 was his longest. Yeah, man. He, he on something. He on something else. Right now, he is second in – well, this is before today. The Jets didn't play today anyway. But this is before today. Daniel Carlson, at the end of week 15, was number two in the NFL in terms of points with 117. So you just said what his overall field goal numbers were at 31 for 34. Let's look at the extra points. He's 24 for 27. He's not missing from anywhere. Yeah. He's doing his thing. Five hell goes in that Dallas game. That's crazy. 
you want to talk about, and this is this is completely out of order, but we're talking about all of these people. It's the last time a kicker went five for five. <laughs> That's a valid question. You know what? I'm going to throw my hat in there, and I'm going to say Matt Prater did it. That's my guess. I know Mason Crosby has had some four for four, I believe, but I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Matt Prater. You let me know how I'm, how I'm feeling on that. Matt Prater, that yeah, that sounds about right. I can see, I can see it. That sounds about right. He reliable as well. Justin Tucker, I know is reliable. I don't know if they're sending him out. I don't out know if five he ever times. got out there five times. That's where I'm That's... at with it. They're scoring, right? Yeah, they're they're putting points on the board. But we just mentioned Daniel Carlson, and does it shock you? By any chance that Daniel Carlson is not a pro bowler? Yeah. He's not? <laughs> I will double and triple check right now. I have the number of pro bowlers right Who now. Is? For kickers. <laughs> We're going to go through it. So, we just went over Daniel Carlson's numbers. And Daniel Carlson this season. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, so Daniel, Car- Daniel Carlson this season is not. A pro bowler. Now, what I do want to get to is get to the Raiders on the team that are pro bowlers. Are you ready for it? Go ahead. It's three of them. Max, of course. (laughs) Can I ask a question? What's up? As a person who hasn't played football at the highest level, you are, you being somebody who has played football at the highest level, we see Johnny Stanton Former UNLV everything. Mm-hmm. Literally, former UNLV everything. On Twitter, cheering for every fullback, essentially in the league, kind of. But mainly, of course, for, for his Cleveland Browns. Yeah. I need to know from you. You said Max, obviously. Yeah. You and Max have something in common. What? That position. That's so I need to know. Right, yeah. In terms of that excitement, that joy, when you feel one of your guys are being recognized. Can you talk about that? No, it's dope for sure. It is. It is. Because I, I don't think the general public really pays attention to defensive linemen like that. Hmm. Like, you got your big, you know, three names. But I don't think too many people that don't know football know who Max is. You feel me? So when you see a dude like that go out and kind of have, like, his own – because he got his own kind of – I don't know what the word to put to it, like persona or whatever in the NFL. I, I he think, got his I own He I got his own vibe to him. So it's it's cool to see somebody like that. They got a personality in the NFL that plays on the D-line. So that's, you know – Is that I, hard to find in the NFL on defense at all? Defensive well, line, yes. Let's not even say defense because we know cornerbacks got all the yeah, personality all the drama, in the world, man. right? I almost said shout out to a name, and I know somebody was gonna text my phone, so let me not do it. Um, you probably know where I was gonna go. Yeah, you were here, <laughs> so you know. Uh, to answer your question about the place kicker that that made the AFC roster, nobody's gonna argue with Justin Tucker, right? No, the only one you gotta put two. Only <laughs> you one? Gotta, yes. Really? Yes. Out of sixteen teams, only one guy. That don't make sense. Cause it's what three quarterbacks. It is three quarterbacks. And does it bother you at all? And I know we're. What one kicker wants to kick the entire Pro Bowl game? (laughs) I don't think he's going to get in there, man. Are they going to let him kick from like 70? They probably might do some fun stuff. You know, the Pro Bowl ain't serious no more, unfortunately. 
You want to do that real quick? You want to actually let's let's go through these names first, and then I need to know when was the last Pro Bowl that you paid attention to. <laughs> Give us some thought. I got two answers, I think, for you. But um, I let, can't even so, tell you. That's the crazy thing. You have no Pro Bowl that you can pull from. I had to think back. Tough. I'm going to try to give you two, and I'm going to see if I can jog your memory, hopefully. Yeah. But you're absolutely right in like, terms of highlights Max. and flashes and stuff like that, but a game that, no. A full game that, well. Yeah. That's hard. I got one game then because the other one is more of a scenario. <laughs> it's more of a situation that happened. But you were right about Max Crosby. He did make the Pro Bowl. Interesting name here, only because I have to preface this by saying – me and Duna talked about it earlier in uh, the season, and we talked about blood ties to the Raiders. And obviously, I find it funny because I've mentioned my ties to USC, and I've mentioned how I don't even, like, aside from UCLA parties, Westwood parties are, un- are unbelievable, probably undefeated. But I don't do anything else UCLA. I can't do anything yeah. else UCLA. I'm just not doing it. I can't do it. My, my family wouldn't even allow me to. So we talk about just blood ties to certain yeah. entities. Mm-hmm. I keep telling people, the Raiders are still going to get it from me regardless, but my cousin is Mr. Raider. My cousin is Tim Brown, so I have blood ties to the Raiders. The moment that Denzel Perryman signed with the Raiders, I told Duna, I said, hey, you got blood ties to the Raiders now. So I would like to obviously say and highlight congratulations to Denzel Perryman, who did make the That's Pro Bowl. That's dope. I didn't know he made in it. a linebacker position for the Raiders because he ain't been. Nobody talk about Denzel like that. I ain't heard nobody really talk about Denzel since he was in Miami. Cause where was he? He got uh, Chargers, right? That's where he got. Uh, it was the Chargers by? before. He got jabbed by the Chargers and then he made his way over here. And I want to look up. Hey, he a ball. He been a baller though. That's the thing. There you go. And aside from Denzel Perryman, the, the Raiders did have one special teamer that made it, but it was punter AJ Cole. And it's the first all it's the first Pro Bowl selection for all of those teams. Well, hold on, Waller didn't make it. No. Yeah. Kelsey and dealing with injuries, and uh, I'm he's he's been in and out of the lineup. I I could understand that one. I will. Who's the other tight end other than Kelsey? I was just about to say we will go actually got to be the rest Mark of Andrews. Tight ends. Gotta you want you want to run through the yep, offense? I know it. At least Mark some of the Andrews. moments. I figured. So you have your quarterbacks. Let's talk about this only because the Raiders do have to deal with these two in the AFC West. The three quarterbacks are Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Justin Herbert. Does it shock you at all? No. That Justin Herbert is the starter. He's the best quarterback in the league right now. And I'll say that with my chest out. He's the best quarterback in the league. Watch your mouth. Why you say that? Because <laughs> I'm trying my best. I let you say it once, and like I let it go. <laughs> but I was, you I like Patty Mahomes. I like no, not even that. You know, I'm, talk, I'm, I'm talking about production. I'm not talking about what somebody can do. What is that man doing up in Wisconsin with a broken with a broken toe? Uh, Rogers. What is he doing? See, the thing though is, is that I feel like Rogers got obviously the more solid team. He's surrounded by just. I feel like Rogers surrounded by greatness. You know what's interesting, and I'm gonna get out of here because th- now we're gonna just seem like we're we're just rooting for everybody else in the AFC West <laughs> because I'm looking at these running backs and nobody's gonna argue with these running backs, right? Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon. However, Austin Eclair has 17 touchdowns this season. Mm. He has 10 rushing and seven in the air. Yeah, I don't know how he ain't make it. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah. 
Did okay, Nick that- Chubb have that great of a year? Do you want to do this now? Yeah. Nick do you Chubb, really want to do Nick, this now? Did Nick Chubb have that great of a year? I know mixing and balling, at least I think. The, the Cleveland Browns are 7-7 seven and seven as well, is all I'm going to say. That don't make sense. Do you just got to reward somebody for the Cleveland Browns? I guess. For their for their offense, I guess you'll say. They got too many bodies be too many bodies on that whole team to be going seven to seven. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Ah Okay, so let's talk about this Pro Bowl real quick. I got two uh scenarios for you. The last time that I actually paid attention to a Pro Bowl, the first time that they brought back the Hall of Famers to pick the teams. When it was Dion and Michael name? Irvin. I, I watched a little bit. I was bit. in it that one. I watched a little bit. I was in it that one. That's the one that I will say. And that's the interesting part because that one I was actually going to tell you, I wasn't really in that one for the game. Like, I just liked the entire buildup to it. And then the second one I was going to give you, I can't even remember which year it was, and this is what's going to bother me. It was toward the end of the game. And typically the games are out of reach at that point. One team actually took it serious in the beginning. And this particular time it wasn't. And Donovan McNabb led the game-winning drive for the NFC in the fourth quarter and that was the last Pro Bowl that I was about. like, all right. And I think that might have been the Pittsburgh-Arizona uh, Super Bowl. Might have been that one. Hmm. I'm trying to think. Of, you know what's funny? That was a great year of football. It, it was. That was a great year of football. <laughs> you know what's interesting? I remember stuff like that based on where I lived. Mm-hmm. So I'm remembering where I watched one game and where I think I watched the Super Bowl at the same time. Anyway. No, I, I, I get you. Time, <laughs> time times and, and things that you remember the times in life. I thought I was the only weird one that did. No, nah, I did that music all the time for sure too. <laughs> this podcast is going to be great this weekend. Uh, the Raiders are actually sitting at seven and seven as well. The interesting part was the Raiders came into this game twelfth in the postseason chase behind the Cleveland Browns. They were four behind the Cleveland Browns, and now the Raiders are not only tenth in the playoff chase, but the Raiders are third in the AFC West. So it's seeming like it's going to be a two a two race or a two horse race at the top of the AFC West, regardless. But you don't know that. You guys don't know that the Cleveland or the uh, Las Vegas Raiders have two, three more games this season, two more games against teams in the AFC West, namely Allegiant Stadium this Sunday against the Chargers. No, against the Denver Broncos. They close the year against the Broncos. They got to get that one. I mean, they close the year against the Chargers. They got to get which one? They definitely they'll get. It's Broncos. Denver, Indy, and the and the Chargers. That's going that Charger one is gonna be hard. Where is that at? <laughs> I think it's, it's here. not here. It, oh, is that SoFi? No, it's here. It's here. Okay, it's I here. thought it was I'm here. Tripping, I'm tripping. Yeah. But you know what's interesting, and here's where I'll let you take over and say whatever you want because they're probably not gonna like what I have to say anyway. <laughs> the Raiders' final win of the season will come on Sunday. The Raiders' final win of the season will come on Sunday against the Denver Broncos. And the Raiders will end the season 8-9. I'll tell you what. I feel like it'll be based off that Colts game. So I, I, think they got this, I think they got this Broncos game in the bag, especially if it's home. I think they got that in the bag. And it is, it is at the depth. Now that Colts game, that's going to be the game that's going to make or break them. Because if you go in there and you beat that team, and you beat that defense, then you can do it. I think I think that'll get them get them enough to get over that hump to get after the Chargers a little bit. But pa- they- wait, pause for one second before you move on to the Charger game. I want you to analyze the other side of that Indianapolis Colts game because you just talked about what the Raiders what the Raiders have 
uh, at least at stake, or at least we assume that they're going to have at stake mm-hmm. a week from now. The AFC South will still be up for grabs a week from now as well. With the Colts and the Titans, In Tennessee. Right? Yeah. So think about what they're going to be playing for. I think the Colts coming out of it, though. That's my point. What I have in Derrick Henry is just – it's tough. I mean, I don't think the Titans can win two out of the last three games, to be honest. Who they got? It, that's – and I think the interesting think part they can, is they, I, like, they I have Houston they can, on no week 17. I think they can afford to lose that game is the crazy thing and still get that Tennessee? Spot. No, no, the Colts. They oh, okay. can afford to lose to the Raiders and still get that spot. Oh, we See, the, the interesting uh, thing is – That's going to be tough, actually. Tennessee? Because they got the Cardinals this week, so – yeah, see. Well, if the Cardinals come, it all depends. Because the, the Tennessee Titans just won literally less than two hours ago against yeah. the San Francisco 49ers. That was a game that me and – who was it? It may have been Matthew. I think Matt may have caught it as well. Everybody else took the 49ers. That was, this is probably one of, the, one of the tougher games we've had to pick this season. We'll get to the pick'em updates in a minute. Actually, let's get to the pick'em updates now. That game between the Raiders and the Broncos will take place on Sunday from Allegiant Stadium at 1.25 p.m. Let's talk about the pick'em score. So, Mike, where is it at? Here it is. So, these right here, guys, if you're watching on – Facebook Live. We got these scores right here. We've been keeping track of these since the season started. Mm-hmm. So the interesting thing is we got this Pick'em League. We don't have any money on it yet, guys. It was the first time that we're doing it, so we want to see how we're going to run it and see how we're actually going to uh, start to kind of divvy it out next next year. So I say all of that to say it's five of us. It's Duna, Daryl, Matt, Salim, and myself. Matt took over midseason for Tyler's team. Shout out to Mr. Sure Thing, Tyler Sure. So now after week 17, or week 15, excuse me, this is going to be the fun part because I told everybody in the group that we all know our sports. We all know our, our football specifically. Since we're talking about this, I said I don't like saying last place because it's just not fair when you look at the records. So I'm here to give you guys the pick em update. For the third straight week, the order has not changed. The order has not changed. However, the games have gotten a little closer in between. I'm still in first place at 139 and 84. Salim is in second place, three games behind at 136 and 87. Matt took a step back, and he's now 132 and 91. Daryl's only a game back of third place now at 131 and 92. And Duna didn't have the best of weeks. Duna, I believe, went seven and nine this week. He's 125 and 98. So Duna's starting to starting to starting to fall the opposite way. So the top four are starting to obviously somewhat clear out. We'll see what the last three weeks have to hold. But eight games separate up. the last four weeks. I mean, still to shake teams. up though. Like you said, it's, you can't say last place because it's it's really just not justice. That person still can jump up. He's 27 games over 500. I'm not saying that's five. I'm not saying that that's last place. I'm not doing that. And these last games is toss-ups, damn near. Especially when you get to that last week where you got people that didn't solidify their spots. Because I definitely took the – we're going to get out of here, but I definitely took the Chargers – or, excuse me, the um, Chiefs over the Chargers in Week 17 last season. Don't ask. I looked up and saw Chad Henney and said, what happened? What did I do? I've clearly made a mistake here. 
Um, let's talk about the Vegas Golden Knights only because we're talking about Las Vegas sports. So it's only right that we give you guys an update on the Vegas Golden Knights. Unfortunately, the Vegas Golden Knights, we knew, I think the last time we spoke, it was on Monday. And the Golden Knights were hosting the Tampa Bay Lightning on Tuesday from the Fortress, from the T-Mobile Arena. They fell short in that game 4-3. to three. The interesting part was Vegas actually held a 3-1 lead in that second period. Laurent Brassois has 15, excuse me, had 15 saves. So he didn't have the puck on his side of the ice very long, at least during the game. Still was able to get four through. Typically, this is not what we would do. Matt's not here to talk to talk uh, hockey with us. But some of the them. numbers, what's up? Frustrated with them. <laughs> Are, have you been a Vegas? Have you been a Golden Knight fan since they've gotten here? Yeah, like, you know, watching a few games a year type stuff, if that's a fan in a way. But ever since they traded Flurry, I ain't watched not one single game. You haven't watched one? Not one since they traded Flurry. That was, I really that was wish damn near Matt the last was here. straw for me. I really wish Matt was here. <laughs> What's gonna, what is it going to take to get you back on the bandwagon? Uh, I don't know. I may have to go to a game or see a player that I like. Can I ask a question? As somebody who's played professional sports before, is is it the loyalty that turned you off about, or the disloyalty, I should say? Yeah. In the move that turned That's you off. That's what turned me off to it, because it's like you built something out from from the ground, pretty much. Got all these players or whatever, and this that was your guy. That was like, all right, you know, he gonna carry. He's gonna be our, you know, our our face, other than Mark, you know, our face in a way. And it's just like he coming to the end of his years. You know he may, he not gonna last for another handful of years. That's not gonna happen. He still can give you some good play. So why get rid of him? Let him retire as a Vegas Gold Knight. Let him be the first person to retire. Possibly get whatever. Do they get gold jackets or whatever? Possibly get something. That, I don't like know that. what they do for for know, hockey in terms of Hall of Fame. Him being the first person. So they get a ring, right? Probably. I know him being the first person to retire a Vegas Golden Knight and have that limelight that they had. They'd have gave him Hall of Fame. Oh, for sure. Like that. Oh, but the thing is, too, and I think that's probably where a lot of frustration came from a lot of people. And I kind of spoke about it. I know we're merging sports, but, again, that's kind of what we do. But I spoke about it in baseball when the Angels cut Albert Pujols. Yeah, that pissed me off. Why is he playing for the the dot? Like, what? No, 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 no. It's not even that. How does that even work? The Dodgers messed. The Dodgers cleaned up our mistake, and I'm happy that they actually did it. What frustrated me about the Angels move was that you release him in year ten of a ten year deal. That's a, that's that's a Hall of Famer. If you realize that yeah, you six years respect, in, man. you're not gonna win. You ship him somewhere where he has an opportunity. Hell, ship him back to St. Louis, mm-hmm. even if you send him back home. You don't do what the Angels did. So I think the interesting part is, like you just said, Mark Andre Fleury is a future Hall of Famer. And at the very least, you didn't let him go out on his own terms. Because especially if you look at what he's doing for the Chicago Blackhawks now, the Knights could use it. So we just talked about Brossois only having 15 saves, but the save percentage is 7-8-9. Matt always talks about his save percentage. He always wants to see if the goalie gets to 90. Brossois didn't get to 80. Percent, right? Yes. Hmm. That's not good. <laughs> you saw 19 shots and four got through. 
And granted, this is not somebody that we want to harp on right now, but he's been he's been he's been doing well this season. I mean, we put that into. You ain't even got to know hockey to know that seventy like thirty percent of the time people shooting. I mean, like every almost every three shots, they getting one. And, and it's it not, has to be not good. And it has to be more frustrating because you don't have 30 plus saves. You only have 15. So the thing is, that's why I started this by saying the puck wasn't even on his side of the ice that much. Mm-hmm. They're not shooting, or, the, or uh, I shouldn't say that. They're not getting shots to the goal. So even if the puck is on your side of the ice, you're not under that much pressure. I mean, if it's on your side and you shoot 70, <laughs> it's going to be way more than that. I mean, if you're saving 70s, we way more than just four. The loss was only the 12th of the season for the Vegas Golden Knights. They are 20 and 12 on the season. They do have 40 points. They are still tied for first in the Pacific Division with the Anaheim Ducks. Even though, of course, they're How many games tied. a season? 82. Okay. It's the same as, uh, basketball. as uh, basketball. It's 82, but... I'm happy that you said that because that Vegas Golden Knight 20 and 12 record, they're tied for first place with a team that's 17, 9, and 6. And of course, if you are not familiar Damn, with hockey, it's 40 points. <laughs> and so they're, they're tied based on points. And both teams are locked at 40. Interestingly enough, because I would tell you guys about when the Vegas Golden Knights play next, but I think I'm actually going to talk to you guys <laughs> before the Vegas Golden Knights play next because the NHL actually announced that they're going to pause action. From Wednesday, December 22nd, until Sunday, December 26th, games will resume on Monday the 27th. They have been Wait, postponing games. For COVID? Yes. They've been postponing games since the 18th. God damn. COVID, man. Somebody put a tweet out. It was like, COVID went back, watched film, and came back stronger. That's for I'm real. not laughing at that. I'm like, damn. Bro. You know what's interesting? And this is like, and this is... I don't want to go all the way back with this, but remember that previous administration that was in the White House? Mm. Remember when it first started and they said <laughs> that... It's going to blow over? <laughs> not just it's going to blow over, but in the winter months, it was going to blow over. <laughs> and everybody said, that don't even sound right. Yeah. Like a virus goes away when it gets cold? I thought it was And the wild thing too. was last summer or last winter was not as bad. This winter is what they were probably talking about. <laughs> this winter is the one that is absolutely, or, or even, yeah, I don't even know how long we've even been in winter, but now is the time that we're seeing whatever progress we thought that the leagues were making in the last year and a half out the window, down the drain, every, wherever you want to toss it. Look at the numbers, man. Nothing changing. And that's kind of sad. And I, I, I really think no matter what side you on with the whole thing, mm-hmm. nothing's going to get better if we don't. Only two things that got to be there. Everybody get vaccinated, which is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Or everybody wear their masks is not going to happen. Even the vaccinated people don't. I got under, a third one for you. Like, like it, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. And then ready the thing, for the third one? The only thing that can really – the only – the only true possible way I feel like we're gonna get out of this is, is herd immunity. Like everybody literally just they everybody's bodies fan, you know what? Fuck this. We done with you. We all good. Like, but that's gonna take years. That's gonna take like, we're gonna be doing this for another two years. My only other answer was 
something else is not going to happen, but everybody stay in the house. Yeah, man, I wish. <laughs> I'd love another lockdown, boy. It's not going to happen. Go back to online school, I'd love it. Oh, you're back in classrooms. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, man, that people understand, they don't care. The CCSD don't care. Somebody get popped, they send that email out, like always. Somebody had COVID, this is this, we can't say because such and such and such. And everybody move on. And this is a crazy thing. If you was in any close contact with that person, they could be classmate, could be your teacher. If you were vaccinated, they tell you you can come back. Not even a quarantine period. Like every teacher, they'd be like, all right, if you if you had what's the name, if you had your vaccine, you have no symptoms, come back to work. You know, okay. I'm that crazy and you around kids. Do me a favor. Make sure you put that in your notes for the pod this weekend. <laughs> because we're going to talk about that. And I'm going to say something right here. And I don't want you to get in trouble right now. Oh, no, I don't care. I'm about, to say, I'm about to say we'll risk it on the pod. But as somebody who grew up in, in, California, in Southern California specifically, I'm um, not even going to give you guys the city. Only because I'm talking about LAUSD as a whole. I came out here. My first, one of my first jobs was working at Lakeshore Learning Store. I learned as a manager at Lakeshore Learning Store, CCSD is one of the worst school districts. Yeah, it's terrible in the nation. It is. It's bad. And I've done some research on it. It's honestly, it's baffling how bad the school. It don't make no sense, is. bro. It makes no sense. It. We're going to move on because it's kind of laughable and I don't want to sound like we're making light of the situation. But it, it truthfully it doesn't up. make any Once sense. Once we break it up, things will change. So, Would, But I don't know if that will ever happen. So CCSD doesn't care about COVID. The no. NHL clearly does. One more, one more interesting thing to note about the NHL, they also have announced that none of their NHL players will be, will be playing in the 2022 Winter Olympics amid the COVID spikes. For real? Let's, When's the last time let's, that happened? Let's go here. Let's go here. When's the last I don't time know. that happened? Celine, we miss you. Celine, we clearly miss you. The That's NHL crazy. The NHL didn't participate. You right, know man. who I'm waiting on, though, to, to, to get a, that word, like last time, the NBA. Once they – Okay. So, we're, we're actually looking at these um, – News stories, rather, that have broken about the NHL not going to Beijing to participate. And the interesting thing is, the first story that pops up from Fox News actually says that the last time the NHL players did participate in the games was 2014 in Sochi. Because the Winter Olympics got postponed, right? Before. So I think it's postponed until this winter. Which so, but, but I'm saying is that like if they miss this one, it's gonna be the first one they missed. Or am I tripping? No, they've they've missed multiple ones. Oh, okay, they missed multiple ones. That's what I'm saying. They said that the last time that they actually participated in the Olympic Games was was in 2014, which that's the interesting part because they were saying that they postponed games during that shortened season. So, again, we'll 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 give you guys the we'll get back to you guys rather on the last time we've actually seen it happen. But I do know that we won't see NHL players playing in the Winter Olympics this time around. When I heard that, a lot of the names that popped in my head were names that didn't play for Team USA. With that said, does this nation care? I don't know. I don't think so. To be honest. I ain't heard. Honestly, I don't think – I think when it comes to Olympic sports, 
we kind of don't care about nothing no more. Not like how we used to. Aside from basketball, really. And even that, like, I, yeah, I didn't want to say real basketball it, yeah. fans that care. Like, nobody, nobody outside of, like, the real, real down basketball fans really cares that much. Shoot, the best seem like the basketball players don't even care that much. You see who goes and actually plays now? Like, the games they was losing. I'll never forget going in there and watching that first game they came out here and they losing to Patty Mills and Odell. Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles. <laughs> I'm like, you letting Patty go for 20? You know what's interesting? And Salim made a very, very good point. Shout out to our Florida man fact checker, Salim Dweck. Salim made a very good point. Patty Mills is Patty Mills, right? In the NBA. No, he ball anybody up. But however, Facts. when he goes over there, he a dog. international <laughs> Patty Mills, he different. His next level. Yeah, but like you feel me? Like it's it's the same dude you see day in and day out. Yeah. And y'all are all all stars. Y'all all all stars. Y'all should be able to stop their best player from scoring twenty something. Being all all stars. I agree. Don't forget, Evan Fournier of France gave him 30. Gave him a 30 burger. And was talking to KD. Never mind. Let's just move Evan on. need to do that in the NBA. That's what he need to do. Because right been, now, Madison letting, Square Garden man, could use one. He been letting everybody down since Orlando. I remember when he first came out, I thought he was going to be nice. And just never just stay consistent. Tony Parker told us that. About what? About, about Evan. About how nice he is? Yes. He is nice if he can just stay consistent. I was about to say he's the reason. Tony's the reason why we have that much faith in, in Evan Fournier and in international Evan Fournier. That's probably why. <laughs> Let, let's talk they about play different when they play for their country. Huh? <laughs> yes. KD said it. KD said it. So some of y'all act, out here acting different. <laughs> We're about to branch off into a whole another conversation because I heard that and was like, okay, I don't know if I would say it, but KD was like, no, y'all y'all different, but uh. Let's rock. Let's let's move on with it. We have technically we have about an hour left in the show, and this is we're about halfway through, so that's perfect. Let's move on because the, even though this is not in season right now, it's always fun to talk about some baseball. <laughs> it's always fun to talk about baseball. Shout out to the Las Vegas Aviators, one of our sponsors. We appreciate you guys so much. So much. I said so much. That too. Uh, but. This isn't really aviator news, but it's aviator news at Jace because it has to do with the parent company or with the parent ball club, rather, the Oakland A's. The Oakland A's, who have been without a manager this entire winter meetings, they've hired a manager, and more so they've actually promoted their third base coach. Former player, former Oakland Athletic Mark Kotze is now the manager of the Oakland A's, replacing Bob Melvin. Again, he's been promoted from the third base coach to the manager I have a couple of different things or different couple of different ways to take this, and you're the perfect person to talk to about both of them. You want the first one or the second one? One is about age, and one is about let's go with the first one. Yeah, let's go with the first one because the first one is age. The first one is age because Mark Hotsey is coming in at 46 years old. Damn, managing a baseball team, right? It's pretty young. He's replacing Bob Melvin, who is 60 years old. As a player, as a player, how different is that? How different is that when you feel the generational gap? Very. Talk to it. I feel like you just can't – you can't – if you want a good sports team, everything got to kind of mix well. Mm. Like you got to 
feel each other in a certain way. You gotta you can't be around your coach and be timid necessarily. You you gotta feel like like how we talking to each other. You gotta have that that synergy or whatever you wanna call it. So when you got a person that's in their sixties of like that, you can't get that as much. When you got somebody in their forties or whatever a little bit that can relate to you a little bit more, that can sit down and have that conversation with you and actually understand what you're going through, a little bit different. And the interesting part is too, we've talked we've talked so long about baseball, and I know I'm in the minority, but they've talked about baseball not uh, appealing to the younger generation. Yeah, and one of the things that they've tried to do, and this is where I said I'm in a minority and I'm cool with it, but everybody killed the All-Star Games uniforms because typically they let teams wear their uniforms, their actual team, represent their team uniforms. They came out with All-Star uniforms this year, and I liked them. Like I liked them. The rest of Twitter let me know how bad they were. But <laughs> I actually thought it was kind of decent. So I say all of that to say if you're trying to move this, the sport towards a younger generation, don't some of these moves have to be made? Like, doesn't this make sense if you're trying to do this? Yeah, but it's that's tough, man. It's, it's a lot of things that have to change for baseball. Because we all, we all know the root of baseball and – you know who runs it and who's Adam Jones let us know a couple of years ago pulling the trip. You know who pulling the strings, this, this, and that. And the younger generation just don't fly with them type of people. Hmm. This is what it is. They they trying the younger generation. They trying to see people dance, see people celebrate, see people be on the top, see people this, this, and that, be flashy. And baseball just ain't about that. That's why somebody like Tatis. Who Absolutely. can come and just like add a whole another set of a fan base? Just add a whole set because he's the different, athletic, flashy a little bit, got the dreads, unapologetic. Like, don't care. <laughs> he don't care. So the second part of this, in terms of Mark Casey being hired as the manager of the Oakland A's, he's he has a seventeen-year major league career under his belt. Four of which came with the Oakland Athletics. My next last wait, last part. He last played in the in the majors in 2013. That's not damn. That's not long ago. He just played in the majors. That's in a decade. Ago. Eight seasons ago. Well. So you just spoke about somebody that's closer in age. Now couple somebody that's closer in age, who like you just said literally has done what you've done before has sat where you've sat before how much of an of a kind of advantage i was going to say an improvement but how much of an advantage can that be no it definitely is because i didn't had an older coach tell me to do something i'd be like it's not that easy what you're making it seem right now like <laughs> so, some super so some super small and people don't understand how big of a difference jerseys are in football because when it come to like Grip, like that's what we're grabbing onto as defensive alignment, right. offensive alignment, whatnot. So, a coach from back then is playing with baggy jerseys and whatnot, where easily you can get a grip of something. May tell you to do <laughs> something, Man- whatever. Grab a certain, yeah, may tell you to grab a certain way. Like that's not working, coach. <laughs> these these jerseys, is, you've seen people try to take these jerseys off. They super tight now. Absolutely. So something super small like that, a coach wouldn't understand because he hasn't played with that. Hmm. Certain rule changes. Coach hasn't played with that. They may tell you to do it, but they don't understand what it's like to be in that position. And can't nobody tell you 
you know, that good information if they're not in it. When you go through something like that, and I, I kind of want to break this off into, I'm, I'm going to do it, whatever. Random question. How did you get your shoulder pass off at football? Whether it was practice, after a game, how'd you get them off? Sometimes I needed help. It depends. But for the most part, I was able to get them off. I had to, like, one arm, push up, and all. It was it's rough. I forgot. I thought I had the conversation with you on Twitter, but I, some, I was watching some video, and somebody made, like, Somebody in, in some studio, I won't even say that they were an analyst. I don't remember exactly who it was. But they made a reference to, like, the football pads. And I kind of said exactly like you said. I said one of two things. Either you're being completely unfair or, two, you've never worn football pads. Mm-hmm. One of the two. I said because in high school, people literally had pad partners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had your, and it wasn't, it wasn't something that you had set. It was like you just knew. Unless somebody laughed, bro. Everybody looking like, <laughs> no, I, you put these on. I need help getting out of these. Yeah, like, bro, I don't care how any of you guys feel about me right now. I'm, I'm gonna get help, Mike. Please. Yeah. Like, I'm not, Hands I'm up. not worried about this. Get the tugging. <laughs> hey, I didn't see some wild moments, man. You think we should ask justice? Oh, he for sure. For <laughs> sure. My boy Justice. He Justice, oh, sure we help. love you, man. He for sure need help. Shout out to Justice, man. Uh, speaking of that, let's talk about some football, or actually let's talk about some college-level sports right now. And th- we're actually gearing up toward the end of the show because we're actually going to give you guys an outline for what we're going to do. We're going to talk because we have Mike in right now and we're, and we're talking about football and shoulder pass and things like that. We're going to talk about the Gator Bowl and actually a couple of these bowls that's, that's going through some issues right now. And then we're going to talk about UNLV basketball, men and women's. And then I got it ass out there now for you. Do you know what that's out there now means? What? So, we have a hashtag here at Talk That Talk Radio where it's hashtag T-O-T-N. And it means that's out there now. All that simply means is when I'm going through the week and I'm scrolling on Twitter, I've learned in life people like to delete things. So I like to make sure that I keep it mm-hmm. and let you know later. That's out there now. You put that out there. We yeah. saw that. Yeah. So I got one of those for you, and then we're going to get to my dad's tip in. Okay. So that's a quick little snapshot for the rest of the show. Let's talk about this. these bowl games that are, are, are literally being dismantled. Let's start with the Gator Bowl. Texas A&M wasn't able, or isn't able, rather, to participate in the Gator Bowl. And... What's the reason why? COVID. How many players? They don't have enough eligible players. Damn. Is where I'm going to leave it. That's crazy. So. So they have somebody to replace them? This is going to be the fun part, right? They were trying to figure out who, if anybody, was going to replace Texas A&M. Now, for some reason, it's not coming up for whatever reason. But, but it's tough to do when you already got stuff set. You and that's me? where we're going to – But you're going to go grab gonna... a 6 and 17? So let's talk about it. So 
they they actually sat there and said, how are we gonna how are we gonna figure this out? How are we gonna figure this out? The original game between Wake Forest and Texas A and M was supposed to take place on December thirty first. All you can do is postpone it. At the get that's all in you the can Gator do, Bowl, literally. However, the committee came out and said that they could find a replacement for Texas A and M, but it would affect other bowl games. That's it. That's what I'm saying. Like you can't pull somebody out and throw them in there, and that you don't want to pull somebody from a higher bowl and, and then swap Texas A and M with and that. And then no team is going to want to do that because they've been practicing up for one team for two, three weeks at this point. For one team, and you want to change up? No, two weeks. That's that's foul. If they do, if they do do that, that's foul. So I'm gonna give you a tweet, and then I'm gonna give you what really happened. You ready? Okay. The best tweet that I saw, and this should have been it. That's out there now. I should have, I should have screenshotted it. Somebody said that the only acceptable answer is to put together the portal all stars and let Ed Orgeron <laughs> coach them. That'd be hilarious. My money's on the portal all stars. No, for real, <laughs> for real. My money's on them. every. It, when you look at the amount of talent that's sitting in the portal right now, that's a lot. Let Ed O coach them. Just send them, send them guys out there. If everybody's healthy, send them out. Listen, Renegades. The guards. <laughs> literally. Just reenact the longest yard. Just do it. Jeez. You ready to find out what really happened? What happened? They just canceled it? The interesting part is college football has decided to invite Rutgers University. Well, hold on. To they take really, place. they did what I said in the first place. Take a six and seventeen, or they took a five and seventeen. Five and seventeen. That's hilarious. They about to get murdered against number seventeen Wake Forest. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. When did they do this? This story dropped to if it was either, it was either today or yesterday. But so no, yeah, it was today. So basically, these kids probably gonna stop practice for about a week and a half, maybe. Damn near getting ready to go home, and they said, "Nah, hold on, y'all." Y'all stay here game. for a couple of weeks, miss Christmas. We about to go play this ball game. It, it, I don't even cold, know if it's – wait, bro. they found out today. This game cold. This game takes place outside of Connor today. So these kids probably was already home. That's, Come back. That ain't right, bro. Come back. That ain't right. <laughs> that ain't right at all. What's going on here? The AD asshole. How badly do they want that check? They want it badly. That's that's all eighty. That's eighty accepting that. That's all that is. To answer your question, the Aggies only had thirty-eight healthy players. So so, Rutgers is gonna play Wake Texas, Forest. Wake number, Forest number seventeen. Wake Forest. It was supposed oh, to be number get, seventeen against number wrecked. twenty-five. Oh, I was about to get bad. And now we're gonna get number seventeen against the school that Wake is Forest was already gonna handle Texas a and in the first place. And now they're getting That's Rutgers. sad, man. But see, okay, let, damn, Rutgers went five and seven. Yes, but let's Good try to them, throw. Man. Let's try to throw a monkey. <laughs> Good for them. I got two questions for you. Let's try to throw a monkey wrench in there. You just said it. Wake Forest has been practicing this whole time and preparing for Texas A and M. That works in Rutgers' advantage, right? No, because <laughs> they ain't been practicing at all. <laughs> they ain't been practicing at all. <laughs> the simple fact that, that Rutgers so been been chilling this whole time. Probably been eating whatever they want, having a vacation. Finally, they off. And get told, nah, if we coming in to play another game? That ain't right, man. NCAA wrong. They made them do it. 
They made them do it. Why not just postpone it? And give us some extra football afterwards. Yeah, let, let us just give watch some week football or later. Two. Yeah. Let them come back in the wintertime and play. I'm with it. I'm actually with it. I'm come back in January. Like for you already got the college playoffs going on. So what does it make any difference if you got another game coming on playing maybe in between the two games? Right. Or even the week before the big games. Like just even yeah. then. I guess, man. The interesting part is Hawaii is going through something similar and they actually canceled the Hawaii. I heard. I heard. That's crazy. So you can let me know if, you know, if there's some powers that be playing here. One is a Mountain West Bowl. One is a big. Okay. Never mind. You one already is said it. You ACC. said it already. I'll leave it alone. I'll leave it alone. You said it already. They they willing to do that. And also I'll another thing, Hawaii, they come to funds. That's tough. That's a tough shake for them. That's Yeah. And like you said, and especially in a couple of days' notice. You got to go across waters half of the time you playing. That's tough. And then this when is. When they about to, they're about to cancel Hawaii about a little, a little under a decade ago, I think. They almost canceled it. Well, when I got they here in 2017, they were still kind of on the fence about making the trip. Because they, I don't know why I heard about it, but Hawaii was talking about making a trip to Vegas. And they were saying that they loved it, but they were just like, is it feasible? Is it worth it? Do we even want to do it? And I was like, you guys let me know. <laughs> well, the only thing now to help them, man, is just stacking that schedule up beginning of the season. Take your lumps. Get your money. Hmm. That's the only way it'll work out. Go play Bama or something. Go play Ohio State. Get two mil for that, that ass whooping. Or you could do like UNLV and pay Howard to whoop yours. <laughs> you know what? Did I tell you what happened on the sideline that, that game? No. It was my first game here at UNLV. I've told this story before. If you guys have heard it before, I apologize. Uh, I told the story at U- I mean, uh, on this show before, but I'm on the sideline. And as the game, as the, the clock strikes zero, I kind of sat there and I had my notes in my hand. And I just kind of stared at the scoreboard. And my mouth was kind of slightly open. And somebody walked by where they were cleaning up and said, oh, first game? Hmm. And I'll be honest with you, dog. It scared the hell out of me. I said, this this happens? And he was just like. I thought I saw somebody for a second. I'm about to trip out. So you're trying to end the show early now at this point. <laughs> at this point, you're trying to end the show early. But you know what? I told you there are janitors that still okay. are in the building. Probably so will. <laughs> you, you might see the lights actually come on in a second. I almost lost my shit for a second. <laughs> but that was like the moment that I was like, somebody literally told me, like, this is your welcome to UNLV moment. Mm. And I said, oh, okay, that was different. But anyway, I say all of that to say. That was a tough one. That, that Howard game? Yeah, that was tough. It, that was a tough season, just the simple fact that we was one game away. We dropped three games. That game, the Air Force game, we was up, like, almost three possessions. I think defense created, like, five, six turnovers that game. I remember that Air Force game. And then, uh, of course, Reno at the end of the season. That was, the <sighs> honestly, the best UNLV team we had since they went to a bowl game that year before I got here. North Texas? That was the best, the best team we had by far. You know what's interesting, too, and I won't even <laughs> – actually, I think I will say it because he tweeted it. Um, somebody – I think Lex tweeted it. I promise you it probably was. It him. was Lex. Probably was. And it might have been when the team was at 2-8. and eight, And he said 2-8 and eight with a question mark. And he said Tony Sanchez would never. Nah, yeah. <laughs> you can say a lot. You can say a lot about that, man. You can't say he he was about being cool with losing. Are not trying to make it better. Mm. 
He he wasn't he wasn't rocking with none of this. I'm not even gonna say it. <laughs> I'll make myself mad. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on and actually talk about some UNLV basketball. Let's move on. Um, <clears throat> let's talk with the men's team. The men's team actually played yesterday. One of the reasons why we didn't do the show, we told you guys, basketball season is in. We got games on Wednesday. Were they night three now. games in? Uh, men's basketball. Yeah. How many games they in so far? Thirteen. Thirteen. Really? Thirteen of them things. Damn, that fast. Thirteen of them things. That's crazy. And that's you know what's funny? didn't the season just start two weeks ago? <laughs> no, season started early November. Really? Yes, sir. Oh, damn. <laughs> the funny part Why is. Why did I thought? I, I thought, was going to tell you I'm I dragging basketball to basketball started in January. No. Conference play starts in January. Okay. Which is actually where they're at now. But I was I was hoping that you would show some interest in this because I'm dragging you out to both of these teams. <laughs> well, the interesting part is I probably got to drag you out to the men's team, maybe not the women's team. You'll, you'll, you'll know the difference once I get to this. Mm-hmm. The interesting part is the men, like I said, the 13 games in, they're sitting – at eight and five, they are riding a season-long four-game winning streak. They just beat San Diego, eighty to fifty-seven. Keep in mind that's the University of San Diego, not San Diego State. So, yeah. all Rebel fans, relax, mm-hmm. relax, hold, hold on to your hats. Reason why I say that is because the UNLV running Rebels do have San Diego State in town on Saturday. No, or excuse me, on Saturday. It's not even December. It's January first. And this is where I wanted to pause this real quick. Over the last year or so, I've tried to look at certain things that occurred throughout the year. And I say, we should make that a thing. I said Javante Davis fighting on Halloween. We should make that a thing. That'd be dope. I understand everybody keeps telling me about Nevada Day. I get it, and I, I'm not. No disrespect to Nevada. I'm not from Nevada, so nobody care about Nevada fam, Day, bro. I, I just gotta preface it. If I say that's, it, I'm wrong, that's it, bro. I, <laughs> I don't think I've met one person well, not, that no, cares about nobody, Nevada Day. bro. That's just the day you get off from work if you're lucky enough. And I have to work typically, so I don't like that. Security don't take a day off. If you ask ask one person that, you probably can't find a person that care, but. If you do, ask a person, what what gives you pride about Nevada? And see what the answer is. I had a joke and I'm gonna let it rock, bro. I'm I don't know what the rock. I don't know what the answer would be. Like I, I love living here, you know, West oh, Coast for this, sure. this, you know, it being uh multicultural. This is basically a boiling pot, melting. I pot. agree. I love that about but <laughs> Las Vegas damn near ain't even Nevada to me sometimes. Have <laughs> you been to Reno? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, you played I mean, in Reno the, for the games and whatnot, but it don't it don't feel like nothing that Vegas felt like. It's not even close. All right, so let me go. I've met people from Carson City; they don't even act like people from here. I'm gonna go ahead and do this for you, then. I'm gonna paint a scenario for you, and I'm getting out of here. I promise. I'm not. I don't want to touch this topic. No. If you more. look at the map, we like <laughs> barely <laughs> in that. We're barely so in that. Everywhere, Ely, Nevada, all these other places is nowhere close to how we are. I took the bus. I took the when UNLV with your 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 season. The one that you're yeah, talking about, the yeah. season finale at um at UNR. I was on the bus with the student group that went, like the one, like the fans that went. So I'm on there. I'm got my headphones on. I'm doing my notes, whatever. We get to the game <laughs> without giving away too much. Somebody else flew in the arena, so she was with me. 
So we're uh-huh. walking or whatever, and we're just kind of in Reno. And I said something to her, and I was like, I get it. And she said, what do you get? I said, I know what Reno reminds me of. And she said, what? I said, it's Palm Springs with lights. <laughs> I said, have you ever been to Palm Springs? I told her, I said, this is exactly what it is, just with lights. And then I walked the streets of Reno. Mm-hmm. By that circus circus. I Hold on, they got a circus circus? Oh, when I no. tell you it got sketchy, it got sketchy real quick. So I'm walking around and I'm leaving the, the circus circus. I have never in my life felt more unwanted in a city. I said, fam, I never thought I would hold on to Vegas this near and dear to my heart. This is foreign country up here. Yeah, it's weird, man. It's weird. I don't know how we stumbled into this conversation. Oh, Nevada Day. Yeah, Nevada Day, yeah. <laughs> this is the way the podcast works, guys. So when podcast and when episode forty eight drops, make sure you make sure you check that out because we're recording that this weekend. Shout maybe, out to the OD. They, they be holding on to that word Nevada as they team, whatever. Like they got some culture to it. I still call them UNR Reno, like you just said. Like what culture y'all? Like what type of culture is y'all about? Is y'all one of we Nevada? We <laughs> okay. So what are you about? I had another bad joke and I'm gonna let it rock. <laughs> You're trying to I, I we can't do this anymore. I Podcast can't stand only. them people, bro. Podcast only. But I say that to say I mentioned Javante Davis fighting on Halloween, and then I said basketball or uh, UNLV football versus UNR football that needs to take place. On I thought I saw something too. Now I'm like, whoa. Um, the funny <laughs> thing is we're we're on a live, so somebody can let us know if he saw something. But I said obviously UNR versus UNLV football. On Halloween. That needs to be a thing. And I noticed over the past couple seasons they're they're making it a thing. This is what I don't like. And let me explain. I just said that while I gave that game against USD, against the University of San Diego, essentially none of of our time here so far. Mm -hmm. Because I'm prepping for Mountain West play. Mountain West play actually opens up again Saturday, January 1st. And I haven't said the time yet. Because this needs to stop. This is the ultimate hangover game. Yeah, it's, it's stupid. It's 1 p.m. It don't make no sense. No, it, I get why they're doing it for the players. You got to think about the rest of us. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that does make sense. Then they wonder why the, why but, the, why the arena is probably going to be. The thing, though, is, is that's not even for the players. Who's, who's not going to be up for the countdown? And if it's a 1 o'clock game. Typically, you're there four hours in advance, and you're somewhere eating with the team four to four to six hours in advance, like doing meetings and stuff like that. So you go six hours in advance of one o'clock, uh, maybe seven o'clock, seven eight o'clock. You maybe going to a meeting, maybe getting a meal, like mandatory stuff. Seven to eight hours after the countdown. You're oh, not one go- o'clock game, not, like a ten o'clock. Shoot. You're not going. To, you're not going to sleep. Right after the countdown. You maybe go sleep one thirty, two o'clock. Then you gotta be at five hours later. You know what? It's not right. This is the weird for part. anybody. Like you said, fans too. Like, no. I'll you, tell you right now, it, I'm not gonna be up till maybe twelve thirty one. Yeah, that sounds about right. If you it's did a, the previous night right. It's my boy's birthday, Christmas <laughs> Eve. And we're gonna be at out. Like I'm not I already told him I like, gotta go out with a bang. So I New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve? Uh, New Year's Eve is his birthday. And then we're going to be at a house party. So it's just like, 
So this is the definition of a hangover game. Yeah. This is a 1 right. p.m. game. Like I said, you probably have shoot around around 10 a.m. And this is what you're going to get stuck with. Have they, gonna, done this, have they done this before? This is second year. That's foul. I think they did it last year and I was here. And I'll be honest with you, man. The the building filed. They filed in. But they filed in late like we expected. Yeah. They filed in late like we anticipated. I remember – Three seasons ago, or two seasons ago, man, you were actually on campus. I think you were still playing here. And they gave us this black shirt when we walked into the Thomas and Mac. They gave it to everybody, media, band members. They didn't care. Mm-hmm. They gave us these black shirts with turquoise and, like, neon pink writing. Why? And it said, running this beach. Huh? And we, we obviously understand what, what the play on words. We were well, who's playing, they playing San Diego State. I guess. So I got. I understood it. You want to know the one reason why I'm bringing that up? Why? Because it was a 7:30 game. It might have been. It may have even been an 8:30 game. They're not going to get that 8:30 excitement doing this. No. They're not going to get that. The Thomas and Mack Center. I hate oh, to was say that it was at 8:30. They played on the first. It was at 8:30 p.m. Oh yeah, yeah. It was like a Wednesday that's, night. It was like Saturday night. Who that's cares? dope. That's dope. Yeah. They. It's people, a night game. They don't be up for that. Yeah. I hate to say it, nobody's coming to this. Yeah, that's true. You're going to have your faithful few, but in comparison to that 830 game from two seasons ago, nah. you're not going to have anywhere near that. They didn't think that one through. I don't know, man. It's not even fun to go out on January 1st at night. Not really. Like, nobody even does that. I don't get yeah. I don't get the whole thing to push it and make it a thing. Because obviously, if they did it last year and they're doing it this year, they're trying, trying to, to make, make it, it a thing. thing. <laughs> Why though? I don't like this. I don't like this at all. I don't like this. But I guess it does matter that the team is riding, like I said, a four-game winning streak. But in this four-game win, I shouldn't say but when it comes up to that, right? After this four-game or in in this four-game win streak, they beat two teams with one win on the season. I said it one more time. They beat two teams with one win. Yes, they played a team that was one and seven, and they played a team that was one and nine during they, this four game. Have they been? So that mean they ain't really been challenged. Is basically what you're saying. <clears throat> Here's the interesting part. This San Are Diego they at least game dominating those games. At least one of them they didn't. Omaha was. They were down at halftime against Omaha. Omaha, the Omaha Mavericks. Who the hell is Omaha? I'm just telling you what I don't Felix Lametti gave him 20. I don't I'm telling you what happened. Felix Lametti went six for nine from three and gave him 20. I'm just that I'm just can't, that can't happen. I'm just relaying the messages to you. What's the problem with the running Rebels basketball team? Cause every time I, I look up, it's good recruits. Mm-hmm. Like guys that are dogs, but we ain't been to the tournament in how long? It's a little, it's a little bit different. Like, like yeah, we Since Mark Kotze played. I'm not gonna talk down on him because it's like football ain't really doing much either at all. But <laughs> but it's like even when I was here, like, but it's not like we bringing in four five stars. It's a good point. It's like y'all bringing in way better recruits. Like, what's happening? 
<clears throat> excuse me. To be honest with you, I, I really think, and I heard this when I first got here, and not to give you too long-winded of an answer, but I, when I first got here, I heard somebody say something bad about Steven Zimmerman. And I remember that they said, <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, I don't remember what the bad part was, but they said, if he, he stayed, stayed. His he should have stayed. That's what they said. They Boy. said if he stayed, because when I got here in 2017, they said I think Stevens' junior or senior year would have been Brandon's freshman year, yeah. his his one and done year. So he was just, or they were just kind of talking about what the team could have looked like. And as they did that, they went back a couple of years and they just started naming certain players. And now that I've been here, I think that's what we're running into. For is instance, leaving early every season. Every every year you look at the team and you think of a guy from a previous year and say, nah, we could use him. For instance, you look at last season and you say, damn, if Amari Hardy wasn't in Oregon. What happened to bro that was here? He was a freshman when I was a senior. McCoy. Brennan? Yeah. yeah. What, what were you, what so, you doing? Brandon is a Brandon obviously was a one and done. Right now I believe he is on the Miami Heat G League team. That shit's so stupid to me. Why go one and done just to go be on a, a developmental team when you have a developmental team here to get without you better the, draft without stock the pressure, without the pressure to where a team can draft you, spend X amount of money on you, which makes them keep you around longer. I, I don't get it. Yeah. It don't make sense. For what it's worth, too, this is the one thing that I will say about that Brandon McCoy situation. <clears throat> Excuse me. Brandon was very open about when he picked up a basketball. And if I recall correctly, it was probably early into his teen years. So he wasn't a person who was playing basketball from, like, uh, peewee days. Yeah. That made the one-and-done move still a little, little surprising to me. Because I was like, then how many years do you have under your belt? And then he going up there, what, 6'10"? 6'10"? 6'10 forward. 272. You're not playing small forward because I don't think – he, No, nah, he, nah, he's, he's playing the five. Yeah. 6'10", and you going up there with them grown, grown men at 19, it's not going to work. And the interesting part is, as a, as a person who's watched Summer League, and I know we, they didn't have Summer League last season, but um, – the two seasons that I have seen Brandon at Summer League, you've, you've seen two completely different Brandons. You watched that first season when he left UNLV, and you watched Brandon struggle that Summer League. And then you watched this Summer League that just recently ha- uh, happened mm-hmm. this past summer, and you can, tell that Brandon's, you can tell Brandon's rounding into his own. But as you said before, if you look at it, Brandon would have been in his senior season Yeah. now. And so, just to yeah. answer your original question about the Running Rebels, what does this team look like now if Brandon's the senior? In the middle right now? Probably some dogs. Honestly. And I don't even know the rest of the roster. I just know he was he was good when he was here. He has a he would have a pure point guard now. Shout out to Jordy, who's actually again Jordan Johnson, who's in the G League doing his thing. Actually, he might be overseas now doing his thing. But Jordan McCabe is a pure point guard than Jordan Johnson. So it's just one of those things to where we're going to have another issue next season because Jordan McCabe, who I just mentioned, who came over from West Virginia, you have Royce Ham, who came over from Texas. Those are fifth years. They're going to be gone. Why they out of here. <laughs> so a lot of people are saying Reload like, again. Ex- huh? Exactly. And I think that's kind of the issue that we've kind of turned into with UNLV basketball. We're kind of in that purgatory moment of when the new staff comes in, 
we may get excited about them, but they won't have their guys until two or three seasons in. <sighs> Basketball. And then the thing that make kind of make me upset is that they don't realize how much tougher it is to make it to an NBA than it is for any other sport to make it professionally. Got 15 dudes on a roster, dog. Mm-hmm. And what, 30 teams? Yep. That's not a lot of wiggle room. At all. And the NBA is one of them leagues where it's like, I say seven, eight times out of ten, they draft the dude, they're going to stick with him. They're going to actually, they're going to ride it to the wheels fall off with him. Even if he doesn't get a second contract with any other team, he will be there for two or three years. They're going to stick with him. So it's like, that make it even harder to get in from the outside when you got them sitting on potential from other guys. Hmm. And the, the weird thing is, Excuse me. Like I said before, during this four-game win streak, I'll give you the four wins just so you can kind of have it. They beat Seattle University. They beat Hartford University. They beat Omaha. And then they beat San Diego. Now, San Diego is the best team on the out of the four. They're 7-5. and five. They play in the West Coast Conference. They have a game against Gonzaga next. But they beat UNR at UNR. Who, San Diego? And UNLV beat them by 23. That's a good omen, right? In a way. But you know how sports is, dog. And that's why that's why I brought this up. Somebody could have been live. having a bad game. A reason why they beat UNR, this, this, this. And, you know, you know how I go. <laughs> Let's talk about this women's team because this women's team is actually headed into conference play as well. Except they're heading into conference play with an 8-3 record. They've won five. Pardon. They won five of their last six games. Most recently, they beat Hawaii, seventy to sixty-three. Center, sophomore center, Desiree Young led the team with twenty points. This team, this was the one that I was going to tell you. I probably won't have to drag you out to. This is an exciting team to They're watch. Nice. This is an exciting team to watch. And you know what's interesting? No disrespect to Kevin Kruger, and I understand he's he's in his first season. But the person I'm about to mention right now, head coach Lindy LaRock of the Lady Rebels, she's in her second season. But I feel like she puts her personality so, so out there that I told Coach, especially with a lot of the quotes that she gives me, if you go and read two of the Lady Rebel stories, maybe that's on the that's on talk that talk radio.com, you'll get a feeling for who Lindy LaRock is. To the point to where when you're watching her coach, you could almost hop in her head. You almost know what she's thinking. She's one of them people where it's like like how we be with Greg Popovich and you know, like you absolutely you just know if somebody do something on the court, you know, like you you kind of know what pop thinking. I know what's coming. Yeah. I know what's coming. And the interesting part is, coach, in her second season, as I said, a young coach, young in her career, shocked a lot of people last season. I'm going to give you just a quick little rundown. Shocked a lot of people last season. Went 13-5 and in the Mountain West. Went 9-0 and away from the time, from uh, the Cox Pavilion. Mm. First season as a college 9-0 coach. 9-0 away games? 9-0 and in away games. Damn. 13-5 and in the conference. You win the conference. That's who I'm talking about here. That's cold. Lindy LaRock, I told you guys on Monday, Lindy LaRock picked up her first technical foul against Pacific. I'm here to let you guys know I cannot wait to talk to Lindy LaRock after the game. 
because she went her full her, her full first season without a technical foul. And then after this Hawaii game, I had to approach Lindy LaRock and say, so, two technical fouls in the last two games. And then I, that's the way I prefaced my question. Yeah. Because Lindy picked up another technical foul in this game. Yeah. And after the game, she was she was just very, very candid. And the interesting part was the team was losing really, really bad to Pacific. I think they were down by as many as 19 to Pacific. And they were down by 17 at the time that she got the technical foul. And I told her, I said, is this one of those moments where we know about good technical fouls, right? Yeah. We know about yeah. trying to wake up the team. team. Yeah. We know about yeah. that. Trying to even alert the refs. We know about that. I said, was that one of those moments? She put her heart on her sleeve and said, no, that's not a moment that I'm proud of because I think it backfired. She said, my team started to act erratic because I was acting erratic. Mm. So when I got that answer from her, I said, okay. Fast forward to the Hawaii game. Ref makes a call. You can tell that Lindy LaRock doesn't agree with it. I'm looking at her shake her head. And, of course, everybody's wearing masks. You can tell she says something behind the mask immediately. The referee teaser up. That would probably be what I pay attention to, right? I pay attention to what Lindy does after. Lindy throws her hand up like every child who's ever been in trouble and said, what did I do? Mm -hmm. After the game, I asked Lindy LaRock, what did she do? She said, I said, that was bad. You're bad. And I, mean, I, I get so tired of these refs, bro. I swear I do. I NBA, said, is that, NBA did that really get like that. that really warrant a technical foul? She said that she didn't think it warranted a technical foul. This is what was interesting from her. She didn't say that the one against Pacific didn't. Yeah, that's what I mean. So she owned she owned her stuff and that's what I mean. Yeah. You're not gonna find that very many times. Now we've we've talked about this off mic plenty of times. Keeping it real with you. You're not gonna find stuff. very much of that on campus in general. No. <laughs> got people too much, you know, they got their pride and all that in the line. You probably wouldn't get nobody to really answer that to you, honestly. You I don't think answer, they would answer the question. I'll give you one. Stan Stolte. The baseball coach would. No doubt he would. And I'll give you guys this one story. If you guys haven't heard this, we talked about baseball, so I'll, I'll go ahead and do it. Uh, when the Astros got busted for cheating, yeah, I told, <laughs> I told Stan, I said, I'm never going to put you in a position where I want you to get your collegiate uh, kids in trouble. I said, but let's say, you know, you're, you're a manager in the big leagues. You're a big league skip. I said, do you tell your guys to leave that in the past and not go out there and plunk Astro players? Or do you let the game police itself? Without hesitation, Stan Stoltz, yeah. he said, I let, the, I let the game police itself. Yeah. We went through the interview. We let it go. I looked up after the interview and said, Stan Stoltz, gave you a little glimpse into who he is. Yeah. He said, I'm not telling my players anything. Yeah. I'll probably, <laughs> that's a tough one. It's very tough. Because you get caught in the mix of trying to be the best person you can be, but also – you can't be like, I'm not going to take no shit. Yeah. And baseball is always interesting because we – and I, me and Stan, we talked about it before too. I think somebody actually threw it one of their, one of his players' head, and we talked about it then too. There's unwritten rules. If you yeah. plunk somebody, it's the hip or lower. Like, we we know the rules to it. It's not all – people always don't always follow the rules. That's another exactly. situation. But speaking of following the rules, uh, 
now we got some some different rules in terms of what's coming up for these two teams. I just mentioned the men's basketball team. Now I'm talking about the women's basketball team. Conference play is is, is upon us. The women are in a different spot in terms of the men. Three of their first Mountain West games will be played away from home. So Lindy LaRock, who's already, unfortunately, in case you guys were not following this the season. Exactly. Now we're gonna now we're gonna test it in the Mountain West and see how it looks. She's already lost one road game this season. We're gonna see how this looks. We're gonna see how this looks. The first time that we'll be able to get to, first time we'll actually be able to get to see how this team looks against Mountain West Conference competition will be on Tuesday, December eighth at six thirty p.m. when they take on Fresno State in Fresno State. Once again, they went thirteen and five in the Mountain West last year. I got my dad's tip in, and I got it that's out there now. I think I want to go to my dad's tip in first, only because he sent me a, a decent, a decent amount of paragraphs actually and he sent me this during the show so now i'm gonna actually siphon through this with you guys so let's do it as a unit my dad said that his tip in at the end of the day sorry mom he said you're not gonna like this one he said but let the chips fall where they may he said being a lifelong laker fan i was very optimistic as oh i was as optimistic rather as the as the next laker fan when we were picking up free agents like crazy during the offseason even though they were jokingly calling us l-a-a-r-p and now we actually had an all-star team if it was 2005. True enough, but I was thinking that it would take time and we would eventually gel as a cohesive, well-tuned machine with all the vests that we had brought in. Not the case so far. I don't know if that's ever going to gel with the man Westbrook on the team. I love him. Great player but he needs to be on a team where he is the man. Hold that thought. We're going to readdress that. I'm going to give you a trade scenario too. Um, Where are we at, Dad? Sorry about that. Not the case so far. It's looking kind of bleak if your blood runs purple and gold. Ugh, that sounds gross. <laughs> People can make excuses all day. We didn't have LeBron. We didn't have AD. Stop with the excuses. It's supposed to be next man up when you're down a man, and that's not happening. Hell, we have a hard enough time even winning when everybody is healthy. I have never been so nervous with the Laker team with excuse me with the Laker team having a lead late in the game than I have with this team. The bigger the lead, the faster it disappears. Pause. I <laughs> oh, sound depressing. <laughs> I have told my dad this for years. And this is the closest I think I will ever get to him writing. It's things like that. You can't just say that yeah. and move on to the next thing. That's a sentence in itself. The bigger the lead, the faster it disappears. This is why I'm glad that I don't pay much attention to basketball until after the Super Bowl. Hope things are different by then. Sorry. He says, sorry, Mom. He says, sometimes the truth hurts. I know she's not happy. I know she's not happy. So in terms of what you said about Russell Westbrook, let, I'm going to give you this. Nick Wright had this opinion. I had never even gave the idea any thought. I'll be completely honest with you. I don't even know if they do it, but let's tease with the idea. He said one trade helps both teams. The Los Angeles Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets. One for one, Kyrie for Russ. You know, it helped the, help, help the Lakers. <laughs> it doesn't help Brooklyn. No. 
I'm telling you, man, he doesn't need to be on a team where he has other. St- he needs a supporting cast, not other superstars. He see here. Here's here's where, here's where I'm gonna throw a curveball really quick, and I'm gonna take a quick timeout. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to shoot Brooklyn some bail. I think he would go there, and st- <sighs> you might be right. <laughs> I think he would go there, and I do think that Kevin Durant would still be the go-to option. I think James Harden will be able to play off ball again. I'm not sure if he wants to do that or not. Here's the deal why I think with Brooklyn, and I'm not even saying this in comparison to, uh, to Kyrie, he'll be there every night. James Harden has his hamstring issues. Issues. Kevin Durant is playing the most minutes that he's played since 2014. Which ain't good. At least Russ will be there. That's literally the only thing. If I'm Brooklyn, I don't do it. No way in hell. No. No way in hell I'm doing it. No. If I'm gonna let, and this is where we can go back to what your original point was, in terms of uh, Russell Westbrook, I think LA gives him at least one year. He need to go now, for them to do well. Mm. And another another thing with the Lakers too, gotta have a supporting cast that ain't superstars. Put it like this: Have you ever went out hooping, and it's like, you got the best player. You know he, you know he balls other thing, but he doesn't do the it, like the little stuff. Doesn't do the, doesn't like the he small don't do, thing. He don't do the small thing, the hustle, the setting the picks, the the doing everything that a supporting cast would do. I agree. Maybe lazy on defense here and there. When you got a team full of that, you're gonna miss a lot. You're gonna miss a lot, a lot of things that basketball needs. Then people ain't a lot of people in that court ain't used to being that supporting member of a team. When you got nothing mm-hmm. but guys like that, it doesn't work out as well. I'm pretty sure it's a lot of things that they could have that maybe a guy on another team that don't score as much or whatever that don't show up on the stat book that they could really use. I'm gonna say a name right now, and this is only because the name just popped in my head. And I'm sure if he they miss Caruso bad boy, Caruso even even Kuz. Them dudes that them dudes that found their way through the cracks of that offense and got you know did what they need to do for that team to, to you know ultimately win. It's it's kind of uncomfortable only because when I look at the Lakers as a whole, it's it's oh my bad. I was about to say I think we got the um, I can hear the echo. Um, that echo going? Oh no, I hear it in the, in the headphone. Just so you know, because it's directly into the mic. Oh, I got you. So um. The Lakers, the only issue that I have, because I'm going to say a name, and I said I was sure, but I'm I'm going to be completely honest. I'm not sure. Jay Crowder is the name I'm thinking about. And Jay Crowder, you don't even have take Jay Crowder's name out of it. Jay Crowder is a 3 and D guy. Yeah. The one 3 and D guy, that. the one 3 and D guy that the Lakers have right now hasn't played all year. Who you talking about? And by the way, he's 36 years old. He's Trevor Ariza. Yeah, that's him. He old, though. He's 36 years old. Who they shouldn't have got rid of, let, like I keep saying it. Well, Kuz, I'm cool with letting go Kuzma. Because you got Russ because of it, though. Yeah, yeah. Let go Kuzma. But KCP and Caruso shouldn't, especially KCP. Lakers, Laker fans underappreciated KCP so much. I'm with that. Every time I was watching a game, KCP was making a shot they needed at the time they needed it. You couldn't leave him open in crunch time because he was going to knock that shit down. Go back to the finals. 
some of the biggest shots came from KCP in that corner. I don't know why they let him go. I, I think I think Washington needed that was your one for sure three ball. But see, but you go out and you sign, no disrespect to these players, Malik Monk, when he's been able to play, has balled. Yeah. Same thing with Wayne Ellington when he's been, he started the season on uh, – on um, or actually injured on in, on the injured uh, list. But those are two guys that, yes, they How give you the How old is Wayne Ellington? He's older, too. <laughs> That's a good question. He played, played for the Mavs when Dirk and Richard Jefferson was there. So I know he old. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. I'm sorry, guys. No, he hoes. But those two names that I just mentioned, those are three shoot. Those are three point shooters. Yeah. But they're not going to give you as much defensively. No. So the person that you just mentioned, KCP, we can mention Jay Crowder. Those are two people that are three point shooters, but also are going to give you the effort on defense. The others on the other side. You ain't getting that effort on defense from all these stars. And a lot of people have said what they said about Melo for years. Boy, nothing. <laughs> Let's talk about this last that's or this last note, which is that's out there now, and then we'll get out of here. We've we've pretty much done a two hour show. I'm really really proud of it. So that's out there now. It's interesting that you're here for this particular one because this one has to do with the fight game. And now I can't even. Oh, here it is. This one has to do with the fight game. Did you see Tyron Willie's Instagram post following the knockout loss to Jake Paul? About the sending out the money for whoever can do. So yeah. this is dope. So let's read this. From Tyron Willie, and I quote, They thought a lesson would make me quit. That shit made me laugh. I've been here before. Hashtag bounce back and hashtag elastic. Do you want to jump in now? We're going to keep going. Yeah, keep going, keep going. But y'all real funny with the memes. Some of that shit I got to laugh at myself. People talented at Photoshop and editing might as well get paid for it. We, we're going to keep going. Go ahead. <laughs> Here you go. Five bands to the funniest video slash pick. Rules below. And here are the four rules. There we go. Must use multi-layered posts. Number two, first slide must be your meme. The second slide must show that you follow me. The third one. Yeah, I'm not giving you five bands <laughs> to let you drill me and not follow me. Fuck out of here. He said, tag me so I see it. And then the fourth one is promise to do good with some of it. And then he says, that's it. Ready, set, go. Well, you want to take this one? For one, he is – let me put it like this. <laughs> it's it's certain people that just, I guess, got to gotta make it seem like they laughing with you so they don't feel like they're getting laughed at. So I know it's a pride thing. He's trying, he trying to protect his pride with that one. I know he really don't want to see no memes. He's just like, let me laugh with it so they don't laugh at me more. And honestly, disappointed in him from being a UFC, you know, being a UFC fan. I am yeah. highly disappointed in him. You went in there and got knocked out cold by a dude that's just started fighting maybe two, three years ago. A YouTuber. That can't happen, bro. And and if you think 
And he talking about some elastic jump back. Like, bro, you really think you're going to have a box career after this? I didn't want to say that. But do you think he fights four times next year? Loses. <laughs> he I, I better fight some bums. I don't think he fights four times. He ain't fighting nobody good, tell you that. He need to chill out before he get punched up. And and he yeah. and he another another thing too. Be humble. Be humble because I don't think anybody really paid attention to that clip when he first like started talking to Jake Paul about the fight and all that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what was happening. But I don't know. Jake Paul was getting ready to fight Ben Ashkin, I think. And he was in the back for some reason chopping it up. And Jake Homie was talking like, you don't know nothing about this? Like these gloves, this mm-hmm. is this. He was like, I'm I'm this, this, this. I'm this with UFC. I'm this time champion. I'm this, this, this. Where are you? What have you done? You can't talk like that. I don't care if you've been to that level, this, this, and that. It's always somebody out there better than you. And if you get into the mix with something that you ain't familiar with, you will get messed up. You was getting messed up in what you was into. People was dogging him in the end of his career. A lot of people said that the Kamaru Usman fight literally wrote the blueprint on how to beat Tyron Woodley. It was over after that. And the interesting part was I told my dad, quite frankly, I, and this is what's going to end up happening, and I hope it doesn't happen. Tyron Woodley is only going to do damage to his legacy. That's it. If he keeps fighting. I told my dad, I, the reason why I want Tyron Willie to stop fighting is because he doesn't have to. At all. I don't know if he's been doing something wrong with his money, what, whatever it is, this and that. But I'm getting sick of these UFC fighters ruining their legacies. Like, he need to chill out. Tony Ferguson need to chill out. Uh, who else that's getting whooped on it? I'm going to bring you out. in here just to talk mixed martial arts because that Tony Ferguson one is interesting. And if he was here, he would be flipping shit. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope you know. If he was, if he was here, he would have punched through the screen already. He would have been hot. He would have he already been they up need to, They need to chill, man. It's, it's too many of them going out there and getting just pummeled. But you ain't young like that no more, bro. The punch, the punch drunk statement is probably one of the better ones because – you don't know that you're punch drunk until you're punch drunk. Yeah. Sneak and I know people have said that, and I'm not going to say it. I just think that fluctuating in weight, shouldn't he shouldn't have done it. I'm not willing to say that Cody Garbrandt is punch drunk. I'm not I'm not going there yet. No, nah, he just got a super weak chin. <laughs> I don't even want to go there yet. I don't – you know what? I, I, I think going down the flyway, anybody he that shouldn't took, be at 125. If anybody that took a bigger hit, when it come to career and what you was looked at, it was Cody. He took the biggest fall I've ever seen. Bro, was we could do this all day. I know where and this then, is going. And then Dillashaw got a hold of him. It was over. To be honest with you, I think it's because of how dominant he looked against the greatest band and weight of all time. And I think that's the for him to dismantle Dominic Cruz the way that he did, that's by far his career highlight. And I think that Cody Garbrandt that we saw that night was just a motivated Cody Garbrandt. I don't know if he'll ever be that motivated again. Not saying he can't be champ again, yeah. but that was the best version of Cody because Cody, oh, the, the wild man that we know Cody to be, he went in there for five rounds and picked the part down. He pissed me off that last fight. Kai Car France? Yeah. Because I. it's funny. Before I'm, a, fight, I'm a Kai fan. So I, I, was, I was this close from putting some money on Cody. Because when you got people that come down a weight class, what was it, 10, 10, pounds. 10 pounds? That's not hard to do in the sense of 
You know how they drop the water away? Right he could come back up easily before the fight to whatever he normally fights at. Right. Like that. So I, I thought this was really like a really bad disadvantage for, for Kai. He went in there and knocked him out. First round. And, <sighs> yeah, man. and then he know, couldn't man. keep up. Couldn't keep up for nothing. I, I will say during the um during the uh lead up to the fight, Cody did look uncomfortably small in my opinion. You think so? He he one twenty five is not for him. I don't want him to fight at one twenty five again. I really don't. But see the sad part is I think if he goes up to one thirty five, I think I think the UFC makes that Sean O'Malley fight happen. And I don't know if I want that to happen. He's gonna get his ass pieced. He but, th- he he think he think them the mother dudes touching that chin, watch him get hit one of them faints and then just get hit because that's what makes Sean so good them faints, super quick. The interesting thing is He's too so about quick, it's not even funny. It, it's scary how quick he is. But the thing is too, shit I don't see coming and I'm watching the fight. I be like, <laughs> damn, how you throw that? But the interesting part is Cody Garbrandt. We've seen him. He does have knockout power in both hands. Yeah, he does. So. What happens if he fights Sean O'Malley and Sean O'Malley gets a little confident, gets a little cocky in there and gets caught with one? I don't know. I, see, the thing is, I don't know how Sean will approach. Because the one real, real fight he had versus Marlon, he, he didn't approach it that way. Mm-hmm. And we can't even really say he, like, he took, the, I, I hate how he talk about the, you know, what what do you say with his record that he ain't got zero he got oh zero losses? Gosh, bro. I hate to that. The Sugar Show Commission. Like I'm cool. <laughs> I'm cool with you saying yeah I lost because I had an injury, but don't say you ain't took an L. Yeah, right. Like granted it's an injury, but still it's an L. You gotta take right. it for what it is. And but we ain't seen. But like I said, we ain't seen him really lose though. We ain't seen him get I knocked agree. out, submitted, or lose to decision. I agree. He one thing about that though, Marlon Vera is winning as well. No, he is. He be balling right now. Keto just beat Frankie Edgar. Just knocked Frankie Edgar senseless. Sean O'Malley, if you didn't lose, go beat him. Yeah, I, I hope they gonna they gonna mix it up. I, I think I think the sooner UFC or later, is waiting right. Sooner or later, they gonna throw. I think they waiting for Marlon to get up as far as he can, and then throw it up in there. But Sean going to fight somebody ranked sooner or later, because Marlon wasn't ranked when he fought him. I don't think. No, Marlon took his. I think Mar- I think that was for fourteen. Yeah, I think Marlon great at adapting to. Sean has never been ranked. No, never, because he didn't fought nobody. So he ranked. couldn't have. He been take because I guess he claimed he taking his time because they don't they not paying him as much. But I think he's taking. I honestly think he's taking his time because he wants to get better, which it is a smart sense. move. But like, bro, go fight, bro. Okay, so I don't want to say this thing. You can't be talking not, all this. You can't be talking all this behind, right. and then not fight because you're trying to get better. And that was my issue because I'm I I, I never want to be disrespectful and call any fighter a can. That's what they always do, right? But to his standard, is Sean O'Malley handpicking opponents that he feels like he can put that display on for? Definitely, definitely, definitely. And I, I think he understands that he's not where he wants to be skill wise. So I think that's why he's. Taking his time, because he he obviously knows he can make more money going and actually beating these better people. You guys are absolutely nuts if you think I'm saying anything after that. You got anything <laughs> else? I'm good. Until next time, guys. Keep on talking. It's been crazy.